Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil and I didn't have much yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers, so next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. I'm Stephanie Safarian, and this is episode 123. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there, friends, and welcome back. On today's show, we are embracing our inner tightwads by identifying five things we can do at home for free. Now, thriftiness is having a moment, is it not? It used to be that in normal circumstances, when we are not in the midst of a pandemic, it used to be that frugality is generally shunned upon, right? Nobody wants to be known as the tightwad, (laughs) and certainly nobody wants to be the cheap friend. So frugality, thriftiness, generally, it's not considered a good quality to have, but Frugality has been reborn, so to speak, thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic. Many of us are being conscientious as we waste less food. We are also experimenting with growing our own food, perhaps for the first time, by regrowing scallions on the windowsill, for example. Many of us are becoming more mindful of our waste production, We're washing out those Ziploc bags as a means of throwing out less perfectly good stuff. And these activities, and many more, are no longer activities that get the side eye. Instead, the opposite is true. Being frugal, at least right now, in this moment, in the middle of a pandemic, is smart. Now, thriftiness is all about using resources wisely, and reducing waste as a consequence. So on today's show, I really want to ride that frugal wave that's passing through pop culture right now. And I'm doing that by suggesting five ways we can all embrace our inner pinch pennies today and always. Now on today's show, I hope to accomplish two very distinct goals. The first one is to outline what research says about thriftiness and also touch upon why, of course, thriftiness is important. The second thing I hope to accomplish today is to offer those five specific ways we can save money by doing things ourselves at home instead of going out and paying for a service or a thing to be done for us. 
Now, this week's show notes, you can find them at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 123. That's M-A-M-A minimalist.com forward slash 123. And before we get into today's episode, a quick note that the Sustainable Minimalist podcast is supported by Oregon State University eCampus, a national leader in online education. Pair your passion for sustainable living with OSU's passion for the environment by earning a degree online in fields like sustainability and public health. Learn more at ecampus.oregonstate.edu forward slash minimalists. Now, when we talk about thriftiness, we really first need to touch on why thriftiness is important. Why be thrifty? Why be frugal? Money is meant to be spent, right? Why would anyone even consider being frugal, not just here or there, but all the time as a way of life? Well, (laughs) there are three very obvious reasons. The first one would be that thriftiness results in less debt. Just under half of Americans are unable to pay off their monthly credit card balance, and instead of paying it off, they carry that debt around from one month to the other. The average American carries $6,929 worth of credit card debt every month, which amounts to over $420 billion collectively. The second reason why thriftiness matters is because people who are thrifty tend to have a lower impact on the environment. Our Earth produces enough resources for our needs, but it does not produce enough resources for all of our wants. And to say this another way, or perhaps a better way, I would say that capitalism promotes infinite consumption, but the problem with that is that our planet does not have infinite resources. The manufacturing of stuff exploits Earth's precious and non-renewable resources like water, fossil fuels, oil, coal, I could go on. But there's also then the not-so-pretty reality of where all the stuff goes once we fall out of love with the stuff we've bought. And our discarded possessions ultimately head to the landfills where they release greenhouse gases during breakdown and decomposition. The third reason why we all really do need to embrace our inner pinch penny is because frugality leads to increased self-sufficiency. And in my view, this might be the most significant benefit of thriftiness. I believe that coronavirus has ushered in panic because many of us realized that we are heavily reliant on corporations to provide us with the essentials that we need for survival. Have you stopped to think for a moment, like, what would we do if the conveniences that we rely on, like grocery stores and gas stations, suddenly cease to exist? How long could we reasonably keep our families fed, clothed, and warm if supermarkets were looted, gas stations were shuttered, and the electricity was shut off? How long? It's, it's a sobering thought. The modern definition of self-sufficiency implies that it is somehow tied to finding gainful employment, right? So an employed 20-something fresh out of college who doesn't have to live in his or her parents' basement and can rent an apartment or buy a house on his or her own, 
that person, that 20-something, would be considered self-sufficient by modern definition of the phrase. But I argue that the process of truly becoming self-sufficient doesn't occur when somebody gets a job and moves out of mom's basement. Self-sufficiency is harnessed when a person learns the useful skills necessary for living. Because self-sufficiency is best defined as the ability to care for your daily needs with minimal help. Now, I should back up and mention here that when I started my sustainable minimalism journey, I had no idea in a million years that it would lead me down a path towards self-sufficiency. I just wanted a tidy home, and I wanted to tidy in a way that didn't harm the planet. That's really the only place my mind was at the time, to be completely honest with you. But as I blog and podcast and write my book all on this subject, I realize that sustainability and minimalism and conscious consumerism and frugality and all the other concepts I talk about every single week, they all lead to one thing. And that one thing is, of course, self-sufficiency. I would even go so far to say that the end goal of all of this, my podcast, the message that I'm preaching here, all of it, the end goal is not a tidy home. The end goal is not an organized closet. The end goal is not even increased savings in the bank account. The end goal is achieving incremental self-sufficiency. Now, there are two ways to become self-sufficient, right? The first way is to get rid of those old and harmful habits. The second way focuses on learning new and productive skills. When we talk about research into frugality, the first thing to mention is that there is very little research done on frugality. And that's super interesting to me because research abounds on the opposite, consumption, on overconsumption. I have been really fortunate on this podcast to interview some authors of studies who have made it their lives' works to study consumption behaviors in consumers. There are few studies that study thriftiness. But what we do know about frugality is that there is essentially three types of frugal behavior. The first one is intrinsic frugality, and that is to say that frugality for some people is an internal trait. Consumers who practice internal frugality do so because they believe that spending less and consuming less is the right thing to do for whatever reason. Perhaps they grew up with parents who were a bit frugal and they learned some of these skills and habits from their parents. Research finds that consumers who are intrinsically frugal often have greater self-discipline and greater self-control than the rest of the population. They are frugal, even if it isn't cool, because they keep in mind that bigger picture, the bigger or the greater good. The second type of frugality is extrinsic frugality, which is to say that some people practice frugal behaviors because of external factors. So they don't have a choice. There is simply not enough money or not enough resources to pay for all the whims and wants, so they must instead be frugal. Consumers who are thrifty for external reasons 
does not necessarily mean that they have extra self-discipline or greater self-control. It means that perhaps they would like to overconsume, and perhaps if they could, they would, but they can't, and so they have no choice except to limit their spending. Now, there is a third type of frugality, and that is the novel frugality that we are seeing right now. Since quarantine started, following the spread of COVID-19, there has been a move away from the culture of waste, and novel frugality occurs when consumers are motivated by the particular moment. Consumers who practice novel frugality are not necessarily internally frugal, and they perhaps do have money to spend, so they are not extrinsically frugal either. Instead, novel frugality is about preserving safety amidst uncertainty. Saving stuff, reusing stuff, reducing food waste, these are all means by which consumers can stay out of harm's way by not going to stores. It's also a way of gaining control despite having a legitimate fear of scarcity. So novel frugality is about fear, and it's about trying to preserve safety. The fear of scarcity that is happening right now is seen with the runs on stores for toilet paper and flour and hand sanitizer. Regular consumers, right, they rarely, if ever, find themselves concerned with the supply chain. It's just not something that goes through the average consumer's mind. But the time, the moment that we are in, is concerning for a lot of people. So it is serving as an impetus for consumers to change their behavior. I say we ride this thriftiness wave and ask ourselves, what else can we be doing at home right now and always to save some money? Which thrifty habits can we continue long after the pandemic is over that will provide us benefit? Can we take thriftiness beyond reusing aluminum foil, and washing out Ziploc bags? And the answer is heck yes, of course we can. Maybe you have found yourself dabbling in frugality during quarantine and you kind of like it. (laughs) If that sounds like you, I have five ways for you right now to boldly embrace your inner pinch penny, to save some money, perhaps save the planet, and get incrementally more self-sufficient. Are the ideas I'm offering you up in about 30 seconds going to suddenly make you self-sufficient? No, heck no. (laughs) But they will take you one step further away from the rampant and, dare I say, unabandoned consumerism that afflicts so many of us. The first frugal behavior we can all be doing right now at home to save some money is to start clipping coupons. (laughs) And when I say clip coupons, what I really mean is download a couple coupon apps. Clipping coupons is so pre-Y2K, right? Apps make couponing in the 21st century as easy as pie. Now, one of the worst habits we can get into is paying full price for everyday items. And that is because there are coupons and sales and discounts that are out there, my friends. (laughs) Couponing is free money back in your pocket. And all it costs you is a couple minutes of upfront work. So related here is to stop paying membership fees to clubs. People much smarter than me have said for years that there's no sense in paying that annual 
feed of belong to a discount shopping club like Costco or Sam's Club or whatever the the one is near you. If you are paying a membership to stockpile items with a hefty fee, that just doesn't make sense. Coupons <laughs> to other stores that don't have the fee will save you more money in the long run. Now, one of the major benefits of couponing is that you can apply a discount on top of a sale. You do not even need to be so amazing at couponing that you would be considered for that show, Extreme Couponing, to get some great deals. You don't have to be all that good at it. It's pretty cut and dry. If you want to save some money, couponing allows you to sacrifice nothing while you also pay less for items that you are already going to buy. Now, where on earth do you start couponing? I suggest you check out some couponing sites. My favorite by far is the Crazy Coupon Lady. I will link to her website in the show notes, but that website will help you find more deals than you could have ever imagined on products you already buy. Now, of course, it has to go without saying, but I'm going to just say it anyway, that it is super important not to get wrapped up in the perceived sales or the perceived deals and buy items you don't need, right? When you buy stuff you don't need, you're wasting money, regardless of the coupon you got to use. Now, before we get right on in to thrifty habit number two, I would like to tell you a little bit more about one of our supporters, Oregon State University eCampus. With sustainability in mind, Oregon State strives to create healthier people and a healthier planet. Joshua Chan Burgos learned all about that mission as he pursued his sustainability degree online with OSU eCampus. As his studies took him from Asia to Ohio to Florida, he learned things like the importance of composting and how to be a practitioner of ecological restoration. Learn more about how you can make your impact felt at ecampus.oregonstate.edu forward slash minimalists. Thrifty habit number two is to perform simple home repairs yourself. So what on earth is a simple home repair? A simple home repair is painting walls, ripping out old carpet, doing demo work, doing your own landscaping. These are all examples of simple home repairs that do not take a ton of skill. Let's take landscaping, for instance. Are you going to have the best lawn on the block if you do all your landscaping yourself? Probably not. (laughs) But you'll be saving a ton of money, and you will also be reaping the benefits of working hard on your own property. I suggest you go ahead and DIY those jobs that you can easily handle yourself. Painting, for example. Even if you mess it up and you completely hate what you did, you only spent $160, let's say, on the paint, on the gallons of paint. Then hire somebody and that person will come and fix it for you. So worst case scenario, you hire somebody. You were going to do that to begin with. You've lost nothing. But for those home repair jobs that do take some skill, you need to stick to the pros, right? You should save your money for the more expensive and more skill-based home repairs, like rewiring your electricals or fixing your plumbing. (laughs) Because if you try to save money on those things, you may create more of a problem and in the long run, pay more money. Simple home repairs is something that you can get in the habit of doing and actually save a ton of money by doing them yourself. 
Related to simple home repairs is, dun dun dun, number three, simple auto repairs. Okay. Replacing your car's air filter, which should be done every 12 months, by the way, I just learned as I was researching for this episode. That is an example of an extremely simple auto repair. Another one would be changing your oil and oil filter, which should be done if you use synthetic oil every about 5,000 miles. Changing your windshield wipers. These are all extremely simple auto repairs that you and I can do ourselves and save a lot of money. I should also note that having a little bit of knowledge about how a car works is an incredibly important skill when we talk about self-sufficiency. Now, moving right along to cheap thing you should be doing at home is you should be cooking and you should avoid wasting food. Now, a few weeks ago, I posted on my Instagram a photo of my daughters eating my latest kitchen concoction, which was a pea sprout, ricotta, and potato pizza. I know. (laughs) It sounds gross, right? Well, I must say it tasted slightly better than it sounds. And the impetus for this crazy pizza was not a burning desire to get creative in the kitchen. The reason I made this pizza with these weird ingredients was that I wanted to use up what we had on hand so I didn't have to run back to the grocery store and potentially put myself in coronavirus's way. Now, I have talked about reducing food waste on this podcast so many times, but if you find yourself wasting more food than you would prefer, perhaps now is the time you consciously waste less and you continue to waste less even after life goes back to normal. I'm going to give you a couple strategies that I work on every single day in my household that really do work. The first one is, of course, to meal plan. I have done two entire episodes on meal planning. The most recent one was episode 93. If you are not yet meal planning, my friends, try it. Please try it and then write to me and tell me how it worked for you. If it's not working well, I will try and help you. (laughs) I would love for you to try it and then let me know how it goes. Meal plan. Another way that I avoid wasting food is to keep track of what I put in my refrigerator, my pantry, and my freezer by not only labeling it with what it is, with the contents, but also with the date that it goes in. So if I make leftovers, I'm labeling the date of its origin. And the date enables me to push new food to the back of the fridge and bring old food to the front. The date is very black and white. There's no thinking involved. Older date comes forward, newer date goes back. I take this idea of rotating food, essentially rotating food, a step further, and I really spell it out for my family by creating an eat me box. And I believe I've talked about my eat me box on the podcast before, but it's a really rudimentary (laughs) skill. It is a child's shoe box that I wrote Eat Me On. And inside, I put those items that are nearing expiration that need to be eaten. So it's usually yogurt. It might be half and half. Um, It might be an apple that's looking a little soft. 
Whatever's in the box needs to be eaten. And it has taken a long time to get my family on board with the Eat Me box. But now that they're on board, they know that unless they want to face my wrath, they will eat the contents of that Eat Me box before they open something new. Another friendly reminder is to use airtight lids on everything. Everything. (laughs) Cereal is a really good example of an item that we don't put in an airtight container and then we wonder why it goes stale. You buy a box of cereal, you put it in the pantry, and it goes stale after a few days. You can very easily stop this from happening to you by simply putting the cereal in an airtight, preferably glass, container. Finally, something that works for me, it's a bit of a pain, but it does work, is to get into the habit of knowing what is in your fridge, but more specifically, what is in your freezer. You do this by poking around every week, maybe every other week, but you don't just poke around, you move stuff around. You shake the milk carton. You get intimate with what you have so it doesn't get lost, because if it doesn't get lost, it's less likely to go to waste. All right, one more. The fifth thing we can do at home to save some money is to cut your own hair. (laughs) Now, when I say your own hair, what I really mean is your family member's hair. Four years ago, I bought a $30 buzzer. I watched a few YouTube videos on how to do a halfway decent fade, and I started cutting my husband's hair. By using the figure my husband used to pay for a haircut every six weeks, which was $30, including tip, coupled with the fact that I have been cutting his hair for four years now, by my estimate, this simple practice has saved us over $1,000 so far. Now, a few caveats here. My husband is not at all fussy about his hair. He prefers like basically a slightly longer crew cut. (laughs) So I do not have to have mad skills in the hair cutting department. Second, I love hairdressers. So please hairdressers, don't write to me telling me that I told everybody to shun hairdressers. That's not what I'm saying. For complicated hair and for complicated hairdos, you should definitely go to your local professional and you should definitely be tipping them well. But for the simple cuts... Maybe you can take care of them at home. Now, since quarantine started, I started cutting my daughter's hair too. They have stick straight, very easy hair. And after watching a few more YouTube videos, I learned that it's not all that challenging to cut myself. Are their haircuts perfect? No, no, they're not perfect. (laughs) But are they good enough for a six-year-old and a three-year-old? Heck yes, they are. Now, When I consider cutting hair at home, I also find myself thinking about all those other personal care services that quarantine has forced us to do for ourselves, like painting our own nails, for instance. Is your home manicure as shiny and as perfect as the one you'd get from the nail salon? No, of course not. The nail salon does a really great job. (laughs) But is it good enough? I had a thought the other day, and this is going off on a bit of a tangent, but it has really stuck with me, and it is this. I was not placed on this earth to be beautiful. (laughs) Now, first off, there is nothing wrong with being beautiful, and there are plenty of beautiful people whose purpose 
is to be beautiful. I'm thinking about supermodels who inspire the world with their beauty. That's not me. I'm not a supermodel. (laughs) It's not my purpose. My purpose, my way of helping humanity is through my message. It's not about being perfectly beautiful. And so if being beautiful is not my purpose, then why on earth would I spend excessive time, money, and energy trying to make myself that way when I could instead spend my time, money, and resources working towards fulfilling my purpose? Now, this is not to say that I don't want to be somewhat attractive, right? I still want to be as put together as I possibly can be within reason. But I'm feeling like I can put myself together without the professionals and without that hefty financial premium. I don't know if quarantine is just making me completely crack up or what, but I have been having some (laughs) deep thoughts on week seven of social isolation over here. So quick recap, five thrifty things we can do at home ourselves to save some money. We discussed clipping coupons, performing simple home repairs, performing simple auto repairs, avoid wasting food, and finally, cutting hair at home. There is no eco tip this week. I'm sad to say, hopefully someone will shoot me a quick message for next week. Next week's show is all about the best places to buy secondhand clothes online, and I promise we will go so much deeper than ThreadUp. I will see you next week. Have an amazing week. Stay home, stay healthy, and take care. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.